0: amen you may be seated if you have your Bibles turn with me to Mark chapter 9 um, and we're doing it a little bit different this morning um, because at the end of the service or the second part of the service today we want to specifically take some time purposely take some time to um, just sing and pray and um, just let God work and do his thing uh you know, Ryan had mentioned last Easter or last Easter this past Sunday, um, you know everything was so cool so, isn't it fun just to be together um, occasionally and um, but I think one of the the coolest things about last Sunday was that we that we could count, so there's probably more that we could just think of quickly. We had one hundred and twenty nine people who participated in some way shape or form in Easter Sunday so that means they maybe helped set up or tear down or they might have uh, helped with kid life or they might have helped over in the chapel or in the nursery Uh, they may have been part of the prayer team Uh, but at least 129 people who just stepped up and said man I know Easter is a special time, and I want others to be able to experience, so I'm going to do whatever I have to to make it possible for them. And so thank you for serving. Um, you know, that's one of our core values is serving is our lifestyle, and you guys uh, just, just did great, and I really appreciate it. Well, uh, we're continuing our series on uh, who is Jesus really. Um, we, we have this temptation to think that jesus looks like me he talks like me uh he eats the same food i eat he he likes the same music i like which by the way in case you didn't know this uh his jesus's favorite favorite music style of music is southern gospel in case you didn't know that so just putting that out there um he votes for who i vote for i mean you know all this stuff but out Side of a few hints given in Isaiah 53, the Bible doesn't tell us what Jesus looked like. Uh, obviously, there are no pictures of Jesus. There weren't even drawings or paintings of Jesus. Um, but artists throughout the centuries have tried to imagine what he must have looked like. But the truth is, we really don't know. Um, and so what we're doing in this series is trying to purposefully lay aside what we think, who we think Jesus is, and And we're just looking into the Gospels of going, who is Jesus really? And what kind of eternal difference does that make in our lives? Uh, So if you are to summarize all of Scripture, the predominant uh, theme of Scripture is about the person and the work of Jesus. Right? That's the summary of Scripture. It's all about the person and the work of Jesus. Uh, the summary is, he, he, uh, he is God, I'm not, right? Um, he became a human being, he died via crucifixion, he was buried, he rose from the dead, and Jesus is the only all-sufficient Savior of the world, period. Um, last week we talked for a moment about, um, we said we're, we're not mistakers in need of a life coach we're we're sinners in need of a savior and Jesus the, the foundation of scripture is Jesus is the only all-sufficient savior of the world um that's the overall theme of scripture but in this series we're breaking it down even more last Sunday we talked about the uh, fact that Jesus is the hope of new life today we're going to talk about Jesus as healer um anyone who has spent any time reading through the new testament realizes that jesus was a healer he didn't hide it he didn't uh he didn't um withhold his power to heal in fact um many miracles he publicly performed were signs of his promise to overcome they were sneak peeks into what was to come and so the simple question of the morning that that I want you to ask yourself, if you just kind of draw a circle around yourself, forget about who's around you, what you're doing for lunch and all that, um, what area of your life needs healing? Maybe physical. We often think of physical when we think of healing, but it could be spiritual, could be financial, could be relational, could be uh, addiction, it could be emotional, uh, any number of ways that you might need healing and and maybe you've been asking God to intervene for a long time or maybe you've never really thought to ask God um to bring healing Uh, or you did ask him to intervene but it seems as if nothing has happened and so the question is just what area of healing do you need in your life Um, And the church tends to go to one of two extremes, and we have people here likely from both extremes and a lot of people in the middle. Um, Either either we never talk about Jesus being healer, or maybe some of us have come from backgrounds where that's all they talked about and it got weird, okay? I want to avoid both extremes, and I want to see what the Bible says. As we look through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's... It's just simply undeniable that Jesus was a healer. Uh, If you go through all four of the Gospels, there's 37 unique miracles that Jesus performed in those Gospels. And out of those 37 miracles, 28 of those were miracles of healing. Um, Jesus came to be Savior, yes, but he also came to heal. Uh, Another just kind of side note, random note here, we often think of healing as immediate, like this miraculous immediate. And and sometimes it is. Uh, But sometimes there's a process of healing that takes place. But before we jump into Mark chapter 9, let me just set the stage for you. Jesus is basically on a hike with three of his disciples, Peter, James, and John, and they they go up to what's referred to as the Mount of Transfiguration. And this is where Jesus basically is revealed who he is to them. I mean, like with no doubt, this is who he is. And Moses and Elijah show up. God steps in. God the Father steps in and says, yes, this is my son. Listen to him. And they see who Jesus is um, without any doubt. I mean, it was the epitome of a mountaintop experience. And then what often happens after a mountaintop experience, we sometimes come back to drama, right? So Jesus and those few disciples come back down the, you know, from this hiking trip, uh, and they walk right in the controversy that we're going to read about in Mark chapter 9. And we're going to work down through this, so if you have your Bibles, just keep, your open, uh, keep them open to this. But starting with Mark chapter 9, verse 14. When they returned to the other disciples, so talking about Jesus and those three coming back, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. When the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. Verse 16. What is all of this arguing about, Jesus asked. One of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, Teacher, I brought my son so that you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. Now, stop there for a moment. Listen, if you don't pray... You will when you have kids. This guy brings his kid to Jesus, the son. Um, oh, which by the way, a random just personal note, if you don't mind. Um, as many of you know, um, we found out not so long ago that uh, our daughter Taylor is having a kid. Which yesterday we found out is a boy, so I'll be able to teach him my ways. (laughs) But it's very interesting. This applies to this sermon because when Ryan asked me if, you know, my thoughts about him marrying Taylor and all of that. We had this agreement that, yeah, it's all cool, but none of those types of shenanigans were going on. So here's an example of a real-life miracle, real-time, that we're having a grandbabies because he assured me no shenanigans would happen. Anyway, uh, but if you have kids, you will begin to pray because you realize that all of a sudden you are responsible for another human being and you have no idea what you're doing. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that in order to get your driver's license, you have to, what, drive like 40, 50 hours or something with a licensed driver to make sure you know what you're doing. And you have to take all these classes and watch these gross videos and, and you um, have to pass a test and all of that. No, there's no requirement for parenting. And when they become a teenager, you'll pray even harder. Trust me if you don't have a teenager. But I, I, talking about kids, talking about teens let me just mention another side note. We have a spiritual enemy who is after our kids, a very real spiritual enemy who is out to get our kids. And I never want to and h- hear what I say. I never want to over-spiritualize issues that need medication and therapy and counseling. I believe. I believe in medication and therapy and counseling. I am an advocate of it. Um, So I don't want to over-spiritualize where that's never a needed situation. But I also don't want to under-spiritualize either. Um, I understand that there are chemical things that go on in our brains and medication and counseling and things need to happen. I am a proponent of that, but also understand there's a very real enemy who is attacking our kids. All right, back to the story, verse 18. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. This is the dad talking about his son. Then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I ask, I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. Now stop there. So this guy basically comes to Jesus and says, Hey, I brought my boy to your disciples. In other words, I I, I brought my boy to church, but nothing happened. <clears throat> you know, they couldn't heal him. And and maybe some of you can relate that you didn't receive what you came to church for, but you're like it you know, you you brought something and you walked out going, it didn't work, I asked God to come through for me, but he didn't. And then in that moment, some very ignorant but well-intentioned person would say, well, maybe you have hidden sin in your life or maybe you didn't have enough faith. And probably where they got this is from the next verse, a, a misreading of what Jesus said in verse 19. Jesus said to them, you faithless people, like faithless as in zero, zero faith, okay? Um, It's important to understand that your faith is connected to your focus, okay? Sometimes we make the subject of faith more complicated than it is, but your faith is connected to your focus. In other words, what are you looking at? You know, what's your hope in? And, and it's something for everybody. Now, it may be faith in yourself. It may be faith in your marriage or your job or what, but, but we all have faith in something. We all place our faith in something. All right? And then Jesus asked these two questions. Second part of verse 19. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? This is so interesting. I mean, how much drama do you and I have to bring to the equation for Jesus Christ, the Son of God, to look at you and go, I can't do this, <laughs> right? Um, I can't deal with you today. Th- this is basically what Jesus is saying. And then the second part of verse 19, he says, bring, me, bring the boy to me. Verse 20 So they brought the boy, but when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. And then Jesus asked a great question, verse 21, how long has this been happening, right? Any great physician that you go to is going to ask that question, how long has this been going on? And I can imagine in this moment that this boy's dad responds through tears, I mean, I would have just been broken by this point. Verses 21 and 22, he replied, since he was a little boy, the spirit often throws him into the fire or into the water trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. Listen, I can tell you, I would be so emotional if my child were going through that kind of a thing. And it may not be so much these days, a literal, Satan trying to throw your kids into, you know, the water or the fire, maybe in, in the form of uh, this mental health epidemic we seem to be in with anxiety and all this stuff, but he's, Satan is doing whatever he can uh, to bring our kids down, to destroy our kids. Uh, young people, I want you to hear me. You have a very real enemy out to destroy you. Um, so it's important what you fill your head with, what you listen to, what you watch, who you hang out with. And that all sounds scary, but the good news is you have a defender in Jesus Christ. He's there for you. So anyway, in the father's desperation, he cries out, have mercy on us and help us. Notice the dad says us. Why? Because the little boy's pain becomes... His father's pain. And then what he says next seems to irritate Jesus. He says, If you can. Jesus is like, Whoa, 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 time out. What do you mean if I can? Verse 23, What do you mean if I can? Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. Listen, folks, point, there is power in prayer. Uh, now, notice he says, Anything is what? possible he doesn't say anything is guaranteed anything is possible if you believe even if that belief is as small as a mustard seed now if I were a really good pastor I would have brought in an actual little mustard seed but just trust me they're small and then check out I love how real and transparent the dad gets in verse 24 the father instantly cried out I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. I love how raw and how real and how relatable that statement is. And you're like, Troy, can, can you be both at the same time? I do believe, but help my unbelief. Can, can you do both? And the answer is yes. I've been there many a time. Actually, that's a very good way to pray, You know, when you come to God and you're coming to God because you believe he can answer that prayer, he can bring healing or whatever. I believe you can do it, but but God, would you also help me overcome my doubt and my unbelief? And this seems to be the thing to which Jesus responds in verse 25. When Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit, that makes this boy uh, boy unable to hear and speak he said i command you to come out of this child and never enter him again i love how jesus speaks with such authority verses 26 and 27 then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him the boy appeared to be dead a murmur ran through the crowd as people said he's dead verse 27 but Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet and he stood up. So the spirit is gone. The boy is made well. Everybody goes on with their day. Verses 28 and 29. Afterward, when Jesus was alone in the house with his disciples, they asked him, why couldn't we cast out that evil spirit? And Jesus replied, this Kind can be cast out only by prayer. All right, so that's our passage. There's an awful lot to it, and I've spent a lot of time reading through the passage and just talking through some of the verses. But I I just want to take a few moments to, to respond to the questions that we're asking in these moments. You know, how can I experience the healing power of Jesus? Um, Is is Jesus, is his healing power still relevant today? Um, How does that happen? You know, what if it doesn't feel as if I'm being healed? You know, how can I experience the healing power of Jesus? First, and maybe most important is this. I must believe that Jesus can heal. I must believe that Jesus can heal. In other words, according to the text, according to Jesus' own words, he said, don't doubt, believe. Now, what does that mean? It, it, It means I don't know if he will. Remember, everything's possible, but not everything's guaranteed. I don't know if he will or... What can sometimes even be just as confusing, I don't know if he will bring healing in the way that I'm asking him to bring healing. I don't know if he's gonna do it the way I want him to do it. Uh, but I never wanna doubt the power of Jesus to heal. I believe that he can. It's interesting that the only thing in this passage that offends Jesus, the only thing that throws Jesus off, is when the dad said, If you can. Remember, Jesus said all things are possible. They're not guaranteed, but they're possible. We make the request. He makes the decision. We don't tell God what to do. We don't demand. But we make our requests known, trusting in the fact that God the Father knows what needs to happen in our lives, and we don't always know that. Uh, Jesus himself said would you please ask I have the power to change things Matthew 21 verse 22 is a direct quote from Jesus says you can pray for anything and if you have faith you will receive it Um, maybe you've asked for healing in some area of your life maybe marriage your kids or your aging parents or your health or or your finances or, you know, but, but it seems as if nothing is happening and, and you wrestle with doubt, what do you do in those moments? You borrow the words of this dad in this story and, he, and your prayer becomes, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. You see, faith doesn't guarantee a miracle, but a lack of faith guarantees you won't get one. And we don't tell God what to do. We don't demand. Jesus says, make your requests known and trust in his sovereignty. Trust that God knows what he's doing, even when we don't understand it, even when we don't get it. One of my favorite stories that I I love to come back to all the time, literally one of the most powerful stories to me in scripture is Daniel chapter 3 with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And uh, if you grew up in church, you might know the story. If you didn't grow up in church, maybe this is your first time hearing it, but King Nebuchadnezzar, this evil king, told these three followers of God that they need to bow and worship him as king, King Nebuchadnezzar. And And that if they failed to do so, if they failed to deny the God they believe in, that they would be cast into this fiery furnace. And and they they make one of the most powerful statements in Scripture that I've ever seen. And in essence, they say, all right, King Nebuchadnezzar, go ahead, uh, throw us in the furnace. We know God can deliver us. We know God can make this better. We know God can bring healing. We know God can bring... We know God can do it. But they go on to say, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow to your gods. We're still not going to worship your idols. We choose to trust, period. I want that kind of faith. I, I want to be a part of a church that's bold enough to trust that God will come through, but even if it appears that he doesn't, at least the way we want him to, we're not going to back down. Listen, you, you're not guaranteed a miracle, but you are guaranteed his presence, and his presence is a miracle, and his presence brings healing. So the first thing is believe Jesus can do it. Believe he can do it. Just quickly, the last two things, because we want to spend some significant time in prayer. Second, I've got to ask. You know, it sounds so simple. It sounds so elementary, but I want you to ask, he says. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. Keep on what? There it is. Keep on what? And you will receive what you ask for. Keep on what? And you will find it. Keep on what? And the door will be open to you for everyone who asks, receives, everyone who seeks, finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be open. This sounds like a promise to me. Listen to what James, the half brother of Jesus, said in James chapter 4. He said, Yet you do not have what you want because why? You do not ask God for it. And even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You want only what will give you pleasure. So what, what do I often do instead of asking? I worry, I complain, I criticize, I, I gripe. The, the point being, God, hear me, God is not in the business of answering prayers we don't pray Third, I've got to believe that Jesus will always answer. Hear me this morning. Jesus is not behind on his email. There's no vacation responder on his email saying, I'll get back with you in a few weeks. Um, He will answer you. He might say yes. You know, we're always hoping for a yes. I mean, anybody here love a good no? (laughs) You ask your boss something? No. Oh, good. That's exactly what I was hoping. You ask your spouse something? No. Oh, good. That's exactly what I was hoping you'd say. No. Why should I ask God for a miracle? Because the Bible tells me I might get one. Uh, he might also respond by saying no. And it's tempting when God answers our prayer with a no to say that he didn't answer our prayer. No, he heard it. And he answered, he just said no. You know, God is sovereign. God, he's king of kings and lord of lords. He owes no one any explanation we assume that he didn't answer our prayer but the reality is this he didn't give us the answer we wanted and again that comes back to we think he didn't answer our prayer you might say wait that's a legitimate answer We have no idea what God wants to do. We get impatient, and we settle for this little miracle on this side, but maybe the big miracle is on the other side of wait, but we don't like to wait, and I get it, many of you have been waiting for a miracle for a long time, and maybe you've been praying for kids to come back to God, and yet every time you speak God's truth into their life, it just seems to fall upon deaf ears or whatever here's a thought pray you pray you don't quit keep praying and understand that your prayers may outlive your physical life you know what a wild wild thing to think about that some of my prayers will likely be answered after I'm dead and gone your prayers could be working you don't know what God is doing in the life of the other person to get them to the place where they will respond to the request. But I get it, waiting is painful. If, if, if someone would walk out of here this morning just deciding not to give up, um, just deciding I'm gonna not let go, i'm going to keep asking if if one person walks out of here this morning saying that then this was a successful morning keep asking don't give up he invites us into his throne room now i don't want to spend all this time talking about healing without offering you an opportunity to bring your requests to god you know it's nothing we're not going to Do anything weird. We're just we just want to be faithful to the text. And so I I asked the question that I began with: what area of your life do you need healing? In what area of your life do you need healing? Again, might be physical, financial, spiritual, relational, um, emotional, some addiction, whatever. And so what we're going to do over the next few minutes, we're just going to sing and we're going to worship. And, and I have a, a few folks to come up front, if you would. That's our, our prayer team, if you would come on up and just kind of stand up front here. And uh, these folks are ready to either, if you want to be anointed, they will anoint you anointing If you didn't grow up in church, is just where they place oil on your forehead as they pray for you. And that oil, there's nothing mystical or magical about it. It simply represents the Holy Spirit. And they can anoint you for healing. Or maybe you don't want to be anointed and you just want them to pray with you. And and that's okay too. Just let them know what you need. But we're just going to spend these next few moments in worship, prayer, and uh, allow God just to do his thing. Is that okay? Lord, we thank you for this opportunity. You tell us. Bring it to me. <laughs> Let me know what it is you want and what you need. So, Lord, this over these coming moments, we're just going to worship you and we're going to pray together and we're going to sing together. We just pray that you would have your way in each of our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. I for spirit that's just here, that's just bringing hope and healing and peace. Lord, would you just continue to have your way in our lives? Lord, there are so many people in this room, so many people under the sound of my voice who could stand up and raise a hand and say that God has brought healing into my life or God is bringing healing into my life and I'm one of them we just take a minute to praise you. Just a reminder before we uh, dismiss, we have a baptism coming up and here just in a week or two, I think. I forget the exact date, but if you want to be baptized and take the next step, uh, just there's a kiosk out there. We'd love to talk to you more about it. Thanks. Hope you guys have a great day.